Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Talks in Class. I am Jenna, back for another week of time travel and hopefully some fun conversations. <laughs> I hope everybody had a fabulous week. I feel like the week went by so quickly. I had a busy weekend, all fun stuff, but busy. Hubs and I were out just doing stuff all day on Saturday and then on Sunday. I went to lunch with a couple friends and just hung out with them for most of the day. And I feel like, especially as I get older, I really need to have one day each week where I just don't really have to do anything, like a couch potato slash errands day. Usually for me, that's Sunday. I'll get up and I'll do my target run or whatever errand I need to do for the day. And then for the rest of the day, I just kind of lounge around in my sweats, maybe do laundry, stuff around the house, but mostly just chill and like watch a mindless show. I need to have that day where I don't really have to use my brain <laughs> or talk to people. It's so important, especially as somebody who's like pretty introverted and spends a lot of time talking to people. <laughs> so I didn't really have my do nothing day this weekend. So on Monday evening, as soon as I was finished with work for the day, I was like, okay, I'm going to relax. So I got in my sweats and I watched One Tree Hill in bed. <laughs> If you've been here a while, yes, I am back, back on One Tree Hill. I know people are going to come at me when I say this, but if you don't know this already, just brace yourself. I had never seen a single episode of One Tree Hill until almost exactly one year ago right now. <laughs> I never watched it when it was on in the 2000s. I don't know why. I don't know how I missed it. It just Honestly, it wasn't even on my radar. Like, I don't remember people talking about it. My friends and I weren't big TV people. Like, I don't remember having a ton of conversations about TV that often. But every time this would come up, people would freak out. Like, they could not believe that I hadn't seen it. And the One Tree Hill fandom is strong, you guys. That One Tree Hill army would come for me so hard every time that this was mentioned that I'd never watched it. So after several months, they finally wore me down and I started watching it last year. You guys, what even is this show? <laughs> I mean, I know it's a CW show and they were notorious for being absolutely ridiculous, but this one is so next level ridiculous. I laugh so hard every time I watch it because, I mean, how many car accidents can, can these kids really get into? There are so many hospital visits for these One Tree Hill or for these Tree Hill kids. They're always in the hospital. I'm currently in the middle of season four and everyone keeps telling me, just wait. Like every time I post anything on my Instagram stories about it, I get all these replies from people that are like, oh, just you wait. And I'm over here thinking, wait for what? Like, how could it get crazier than it already is? And then it does every single time. It really does. So I took a long break after season three. It was just like I powered through one through three and then I needed to take a long break. So now I'm back. It means season four. We will see how far I get. But I have to say the nostalgia in this show is so good, even as somebody who didn't watch it the first time. So I don't have nostalgia for it in that way because I don't remember watching it. But it really feels there are a lot of things about it that feel really authentic. It's hands down the best soundtrack from a show from around that time that I've seen. They play a ton of different kinds of music. And I don't know if it was just me, but I recently found a lot of my old Burn CDs. We were very 
diverse with our music tastes. My friends and I listened to a lot of different music, and I think a lot of us were like that in those days. Maybe it was the access to the illegal downloads. <laughs> I don't know. But we had very diverse music tastes, and the show does a good job of that. And there are so many songs that I've seen on the show that I had forgotten all about, but every word comes back because I loved these songs. And also the fashion feels very true to what I remember seeing at the time. Not always what I was wearing necessarily, but in terms of a scripted show, a, a, a teen drama, as in not a reality show, I do think it is the most authentic representation of actual teen fashion from that period. I actually have noticed multiple items that the cast has worn in these first, you know, four seasons or whatever that I've watched that I actually owned and wore the exact same items in high school, including a pair of blue cult jeans that Haley's wearing the first time she shows Lucas her tramp stamp tattoo of Nathan's basketball number. They are blue cults and I still own them to this day. So that has been a really fun journey to watch the show. As always, I will start with my what good happened. This is such a random little thing, but definitely a good thing. We did our taxes however long ago, a couple months ago, and they're always really confusing because I'm self-employed and we used to have multiple states because we lived in New Jersey, but my husband worked in New York and whatever. It's just taxes are complicated even if you have the most simple situation. So we did that, did them a couple months ago, and I just got a notice a couple days ago saying that we're getting an additional refund, which I wasn't expecting, but obviously very much welcome. So that was a nice little surprise, especially since I just paid my Q1 estimated taxes a couple weeks ago, and anybody out there who's self-employed will understand, it always hurts a little. Instead of having to have them taken off a check every two weeks or whatever, we have to pay them all in a lump sum four times a year, and you know, you know it's going out anyway, but it still hurts. So this felt like a little, <laughs> a little less painful to get an extra refund. So yay for that. So this week, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to talk about. So I asked you guys over on Instagram and you had so many great topic suggestions, so many things that I have, you know, touched on in videos or have talked about with you guys in DMs or comments or however. So I added them all to my pod topic list and I will cover them in future episodes. But one of the suggestions was to talk about beauty products and beauty trends that I remember from growing up. And while I was home recently at my mom's, I found this makeup bag full of beauty products from the 90s and I made a video on it. It made me so... And while I was just home a couple weeks ago visiting my mom, I made this video about an old beauty... I made this... Jesus. And while I was just home a couple weeks ago visiting my mom, I made this video showing a bunch of old beauty products that I have there from mainly the 90s, I would say. And it made me so nostalgic. Old Bath and Body Works, nail polishes, lip smackers, all that stuff. So I thought that would be the perfect topic for this week. But before we get into Y2K Beauty, I have a very exciting update to share for those of you who use my clothing rental subscription, the Jenna Barclay Style Box, or anybody who wants to try it. Beginning next week, we are adding a bunch of new pieces into the mix from higher end brands. So these will go into the assortment of 
items you're already seeing on the style box. Brands like Derek Lamb, Road, Show Me Your Moo Moo, the price point of which is higher than a lot of the other items that are currently on the style box, but the price of the style box subscription will not change. So if you're a current subscriber, nothing will really change on your end. You'll just start to see these premium brands mixed in every Monday when you get those new arrivals popping up and then you can add them to your closet just like everything else. Your monthly price does not change. Nothing really changes on your end, except you'll have access to these additional brands. If you are not a subscriber and you'd like to try it out, your first month is always completely free. And after that first month, it is $50 a month. You can keep your rented items for as long as you like, or you can swap them out as many times as you like. There's no limits to either of those things and you can cancel anytime it's month to month. To try it out, just head to jennabarclaystylebox.com and click get started. Now let's talk about what we were all working with when it came to beauty back in the late 90s and the early 2000s. <laughs> Whenever I recreate old looks or I see old pictures of myself, I have to remind myself that we were pretty much on our own when it came to beauty back in the day. We didn't have YouTube tutorials or beauty influencers or any experts or so-called experts that were accessible for us to look to for advice. We had 17 magazines, one page spread per issue about the best new lip glosses or the best hair trends to try for New Year's Eve, <laughs> which by the way, were always the most intense hairstyles that I could never even dream of doing. It would be like three ponytails down the back of your head, like a mohawk, and then butterfly clips all in the front and a braid that wraps around the entire thing with glitter hairspray on top or something just like crazy. I was not pulling that off. Or we had the neighborhood Mary Kay lady. If your mom was friends with the Mary Kay lady or the Avon lady, or even better, if your mom sold one of those brands, then you and your friends could get like a little mini makeover using the makeup that we would wipe off those little cardboard sample cards with the plastic over them and apply with sponges and cotton balls at your dining room table before you went to a school dance. So if you ever look back on pictures from that time and think, wow, we looked <laughs> really bad. It's because we didn't know any better. We didn't have resources. We didn't have people to help us. And we didn't have the access to the array of tools and products that we do now. My first experiences really with beauty products were probably lip smackers. This was like the intro to cosmetics for young girls in the 90s. I actually had kind of forgotten just how obsessed my friends and I truly were with all things lip smackers until I found this old makeup case that I showed in that video of my stuff from the 90s at my mom's last summer. There is every variation of lip smacker you could imagine in there. There's metallic packaging lip smacker. There's the Dr. Pepper lip smacker. There's the classic like strawberry lip smacker. There's the SPF lip smackers. There's the lip smackers that were on a little keychain. There's the giant lip smackers that looked like a glue stick that I, I mean, I don't know how we put that into our pocket. There were the lip smackers gloss in cosmic grape and peach pizzazz flavors, I might add. I mean, these were really our first introduction to something that felt kind of like makeup, but 
they were also kind of collectible. Like they had limited edition ones. There were all these different varieties. So it really encouraged us to buy or to beg our parents to buy for us a bunch of different ones, which we did. And I still have. <laughs> and then after the Lip Smackers obsession really set in, we moved on to the more mature variations of kids cosmetics, like the Bonnie Bell Lip Licks, which were the chapsticks that were kind of tinted. Those felt very mature. Or those Bonnie Bell Lip Lights glosses, the lip gloss tube with the black top. I loved that cappuccino one. I can honest to God still smell it. There was an espresso one that was a little too dark for me. But the cappuccino one, man, if they sold that now, that would still be my signature lip gloss. I swear it was so good. And then maybe we would, you know, slather on a little lavender or metallic silver cream eyeshadow in like a little pot that I begged my mom to buy me at Claire's and I would take my little finger and smear it onto my eyelids all messy before a middle school dance with no mascara, just like silver eyeshadow smudged onto my entire lid and <laughs> Bonnie Bell lip gloss. And then of course there was Bath and Body Works. I mean, this was really kind of all of our initiation into beauty as kids. We had to have that sun ripened raspberry, maybe a little juniper breeze. We were obsessed with smelling like the Bath and Body Works store everywhere we went. My friends, I don't know if this is just, I don't know if this is like a universal thing, but my friends and I all went through this phase, maybe around fifth, sixth grade, where we would only give each other Bath and Body Works sets for every single birthday. It was the only acceptable birthday gift. And it was almost comical because you'd go to these birthday parties and everybody would exchange gifts. And it was just the same, same gift, essentially, in different packaging. They really, really went hard on the gift sets back in the day. They would come in those cute little fake baskets or maybe a little gingham purse and they'd have the plastic over them and Depending on what scent you bought, it would look a little bit different. But essentially, every single gift that you got for your birthday was the same exact gift, just in different packaging, in a different scent. But what this meant was that we all had an endless supply of Bath & Body Works products in elementary school, and we'd be all running around sixth grade just drenched, drenched in country apple, body spray, body lotion, body glitter, body powder, body mist, everything. And thinking back, like, I feel so bad for those teachers. Imagine you have a class of 20 12-year-olds and they're all crazy and hormonal and they have braces and some of them haven't figured out like deodorant or sports bras, things like that that they need. They haven't figured that out yet. And all the little boys just reek of bod body spray from Walmart. And all the little girls smell like vanilla lip smackers and cucumber melon. I mean, my God, those teachers, give teachers a raise, especially if they teach tweens, give them a raise. But one of my favorite things about this recent 90s and Y2K revival that we have been living through is that I was just a little too young to participate in these trends the right way the first time around. I was just a little bit too young to actively do them. I was 13 in the actual Y2K, the year 2000. So 
I mean, of course my hair and makeup looked terrible. I was 13. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> but there were some really cute beauty trends, I think, in the late 90s and the early 2000s. And I love seeing them now come back in a more updated, more modern way with proper application, proper tools that helps them look nice, you know? A lot of the makeup in the late 90s or the Y2K era, which I generally use to refer to roughly 1998 to 2002. When I say Y2K, that's kind of what I mean. A lot of the makeup really was pretty simple and it was nice. It was pretty. It's really similar to what we're seeing in makeup trends now. It's just that we executed it very poorly. <laughs> if you look at photos of me from 2001, I just had one solid color foundation that was usually way too light all over my face, which was almost always that CoverGirl cream to powder foundation that came in that blue compact with a little sponge. And I would just smear it all over my face, would never blend it down my neck. And it was like three shades too white and I would never put on any blush. <laughs> no cheeks, no eyebrows, black eyeliner just all in my waterline, clumpy black mascara, and then basically half a tube of really sticky, clear lip gloss. But I mean, you know, I was 14. If you look at celebrities or probably some real people who actually knew how to do their makeup properly, there were a lot of kind of bright pinky blushes, kind of a one solid color of wash of color of eye. There was a lot of, you know, bright pinky blushes, like really bright, happy, cheerful colors, kind of just like one solid sheer wash of color over the eyelid, really glossy lips, obviously a lot of shimmer, but it was a very cheerful, youthful, simplistic kind of makeup trend. We weren't, you know, doing the crease in the eyes. We weren't contouring, nothing crazy like that. It was just kind of like, you know, pink, rosy cheeks, some shimmer on the lids and some gloss on the, on the lips. And it, it looked really pretty. It wasn't super done. Most of the time, it wasn't super overdone in those days, especially those early Y2K years, like 1999 especially those like peak Y2K years, like 1999 and the actual year 2000. I think of some of the pictures of Britney Spears and Mandy Moore and kind of those teen pop stars around 1999 sp specifically, around 1999 specifically, they would have shimmery blue eyeshadow on, but it was kind of a light wash of shimmery blue eyeshadow with maybe a little bit of white eyeliner in the waterline, which is also back, but if it's done well and it, flatters your face, it looks really nice. It makes you look, you know, bright and awake. Unlike me, I just like caked it on. It looked like white out in my waterline. Meanwhile, in 1999, I was using blue shimmery gel pens to draw fake tattoos on myself and covering myself in Bath and Body Works blueberry scented art stuff body glitter before a seventh grade dance. So, you know, we were not the same, but the ones who were doing it well or who had makeup artists, it really was a nice look. I, I am happy to see it come back now. Speaking of glitter, personally, my glitter phase was pretty brief, thankfully. I feel like that was pretty contained for me to 1999, maybe a little bit into 2000, but my shimmer phase 
that's a different story. I remained loyal to Shimmer from middle school throughout all of high school, probably beyond high school even. Of course, there were a a lot of shimmery eyeshadows, always. It started with CoverGirl Champagne in late elementary school, which was just, as the name would imply, a champagne color, heavy on the shimmer. Then in high school, Urban Decay Midnight Cowboy with like the, the glitter in the shimmer. And then I remember around my senior year, 2004, 2005, I had this sort of mocha colored shimmery eyeshadow that I would just brush all across my lid. I would use this big brush and just put it all across my lid with black mascara. I actually kind of toned down the eyeliner for a while in that phase. And I saw some old pictures recently and it's actually really pretty. And I wish I remembered what it was because it was flattering (laughs) for once in my high school career. That was the only time I did my makeup in a way that looked flattering was fall of senior year. But then in addition to the shimmery eyeshadows in every variation I could find, I also added shimmery body products into this lineup. Starting with the Body Shop Shimmer Body Lotion, that stuff was so heavy on the shimmer. It was not a light, you know, if you're close to me, you can see the shimmer. No, no, no. I was glowing, shimmering like a cullen from a mile away. I really just wanted to glisten head to toe walking through the hallways of my tiny small town high school, just fake baked beyond belief, wearing a peasant skirt and a little American Eagle graphic tee and flip flops in 55 degrees with my entire body covered in shimmery coconut scented body lotion. I also had one of those shimmer brushes from Victoria's Secret. Do you guys remember those? It was basically a huge fluffy makeup brush with a big handle and the handle was filled with this shimmer powder. So you'd rub the brush on yourself and it would just cover you in a dusting of shimmer powder. And it was was really sparkly. I'm sure that it was also scented and it was probably a very strong fragrance, whatever it was, but I I can't remember now what the scent was. Every product we use actually at that time was so heavily scented. I really can't even imagine what we smelled like because of course, before I left the house, I would then cover myself in a nice layer of Britney Spears Curious or Paris Hilton perfume or maybe Lucky You perfume just in case all of the scented shampoo, conditioner, body wash, body lotion, scrunching gel, shimmer powder, lip gloss, all all of that wasn't enough scent. I had to add the perfume on top of all of that. But I have to say where I lacked in originality and creativity with my makeup because I was very loyal to just white face, black eyeliner and glossy lips, I really made up for in my hair choices. (laughs) Listen, I am not saying that my hair choices were good by any means, but they were bold. (laughs) I really tried to copy every celebrity hairstyle that I loved. And I did not think twice about it. I saw it, I liked it, I cut it. Starting with the late 90s, when I saw Mary, Kate, and Ashley have that piecey little shoulder length haircut in Passport to Paris. You guys, Billboard Dad is cute and everything, but Passport to Paris is where my lifelong obsession with the Olsen twins really began. I need to do an entire episode just on them because 
their influence on my style choices throughout my life, like into my 20s, was profound. (laughs) So when I saw Passport to Paris, I wanted to copy everything they did. That one strap backpack thing that they had. One had it in blue, one had it in pink with a little cell phone pocket. I still think about that. But the only thing that I could realistically copy in my small town without dragging my mom to the mall and begging her to buy me things that she would say no to was their hair. Also, 1999 was the year that I accidentally got highlights like vitamin C. But the only thing that I could realistically copy in my small town with the wardrobe that I had at the time in 1999 was their hair. Also, 1999 happens to be the year that I accidentally got highlights like vitamin C. Okay, I have to tell another, okay, I have to tell another really, okay, I have to tell another story really quick before we get to the vitamin C highlights. They go with together, they're both important. So, in probably fourth grade, I was young, I had a little run in with sun in spray. <laughs> which I feel like is almost a rite of passage. Didn't we all have a run-in with sun and spray at some point in time? So I don't remember the details, but basically what happened was I put it in my hair, drenched my hair with it. Basically what happened was I drenched my hair in sun. I don't remember the details, but basically what happened was after a day at the pool, I drenched my hair with sun and spray and then proceeded to go back outside into the sun to hang out with my friends for the rest of the day. The details are a little cloudy now. I'm not sure if I actually did it on purpose because I told my mom it was an accident because at the time I used that Johnson and Johnson's kids detangling spray, which came in a white bottle with a colorful label that really looked a lot like the sun in bottle with the white bottle with the colorful label. So I told my mom that it was an accident, but that might've been a lie that I told so many times throughout the years that now I'm not really sure if it was true or not. But either way, I did it. I went out to the sun and my brown hair turned the color of the mums that your mom puts on her front porch every fall. Kind of a yellowish, goldish orange color like sunny delight all over my hair and because I was a child I was probably nine years old the only solution to this was just to let it grow out so through the second half of elementary school if you look at all of my school pictures I have brown hair halfway down and then like yellow hair on the bottom So finally, by the time I got to middle school in 1999, all of the orange had finally grown out of my hair. My hair was back to brown and my mom agreed to let me get real highlights from a professional at a salon. And I don't know where we got the wires crossed, but I left that salon with orange stripes in my hair. Stripes, you guys. Looking back at the pictures, I do have pictures of it. It really wasn't that bad. It pretty much just looks like brown hair with highlights, but I cried the entire way home. 
So once I recovered from the highlights trauma toward the end of that school year, I went in for the big chop and I am 100% certain that I brought a picture of the Olsen twins from Passport to Paris into the salon for that haircut because I have pictures of me from that summer. And you can tell I tried to style it the same and everything. Bless my little seventh grade heart. It didn't look like the Olsen twins, but I tried. I really, I tried. And that haircut actually began a tradition where almost every year at the end of the school year, I would cut my hair super short. The following summer, eighth grade, I did that awful short, like chin length short, middle parted, kind of curled under haircut for some reason. It was really popular around that time. I don't know, like Faith Hill kind of had it. I always think about Jessica Alba in Never Been Kissed, but Drew Barrymore actually also kind of has a variation of that haircut in that movie. It really was everywhere, but again, I was in eighth grade. I didn't know how to style it, so I would just curl it all under and it looked like one big just like helmet on my head but half of the girls in my eighth grade class got this haircut and it was awful on all of us we all looked awful i have photos to prove it not one of us was pulling it off thankfully mary kate and ashley once again, our style saviors came along with the movie Our Lips Are Sealed in the year 2000, and we all realized we could wear that haircut with the ends flipped out with a little water wax. You guys, that was the look. When I think of Y2K hair, that's what I think of. That was Y2K hair. I still remember going to my hairstylist and her explaining to me how to use the wax to get the ends to look PC. She always said PC. And I felt like she changed my entire world. Like I walked in with a grown out bowl cut essentially and I walked out looking like an Olsen twin. It was amazing. I never felt so cool as I did walking around with a zigzag part and my little layered haircut flipped out at the ends, wearing a pair of capri pants and some big clunky Payless knockoff versions of those Steve Madden slides. Nailed it. Then at the end of my freshman year in high school, I tried to do the Reese Witherspoon in Sweet Home Alabama cut, which was just, again, a short kind of flipped out at the end haircut. But I really ended up looking more like Eve from Dawson's Creek. I realize that's an obscure reference. Um, like Mandy Moore, when she had that really short flipped out haircut in the early 2000s when it was dark brown, mine was blonde, but same style. It was just very, very short and just kind of flippy and I don't know it was not it wasn't as cute as I thought it was gonna be and I must have been traumatized by that haircut because after that I let my hair grow out throughout the rest of high school from the end of my freshman year until the end of my senior year it was really long and I chopped it off to look like Kristen Cavallari <laughs> and actually I just have to say it really did look just like Kristen Cavallari's haircut but I didn't intentionally cut it like Kristen I actually brought in a picture of Ashley Simpson when she had that layered kind of razor cut haircut with the really swoopy side bang but my midwestern hairstylist turned it into Kristen Cavallari which I, I rocked it it was cute I kind of really liked that I also always had the most aggressive highlights when I look back at my hair color choices. Those are just as bad as my haircut choices. Streaky highlights were still really popular in the early 2000s. And I remember this girl once in my high school came to school with the perfect streaky 
highlights. I also liked them kind of yellow. <laughs> like I did not want a natural looking shade of blonde. I wanted yellow. I don't know. I, I don't know. Anyway, this girl had the perfect brassy yellow streaky highlights and I saw them in the hall and I was obsessed. So I asked her where she got them done and she told me that she did them at home with a cap. <laughs> Do you guys remember those caps? Those things were torture. You just stab your scalp over and over and over with that little metal hook thingy trying to pull the hair through the holes. And it'd be like over and over and over just digging into your scalp. And then you'd put bleach on top of it. And it would like get through the holes. <laughs> I actually don't know if I ever attempted the cap. I don't remember it, but I wouldn't put it past me. I tried everything. I dyed my hair with boxes several times in high school. One time it turned red by accident. I don't even... I don't even know how that happened, but there are pictures for me at the beginning of sophomore year and I have red hair for maybe a month. I also went through this really big phase towards the end of sophomore year. My hair was back to blonde at that point, but I went through this really big phase where I was obsessed with that three barrel waving iron, which are also back by the way. I have one and I kind of love it. But this phase was 100% inspired by Britney Spears in Crossroads. She has her hair like that in the scene where she sings at that bar. And I remember thinking there would never be a cuter hairstyle on the planet. And I kind of had the same haircut as her too. I actually still have my Vidal Sassoon waving iron from probably 2001. It really doesn't work very well, which could be because it's from 2001, but I, I just don't think it ever worked that well. The barrels are also really, really small. So it just kind of looks like a softer version of a crimp when I use it. But I had this really involved process for doing the waving iron hair. I would wash my hair and dry it. And then I would put half a bottle of that John Frieda frizz serum. Remember it came in that little clear bottle, half a bottle of that stuff in my hair, like just, just, over and over and over tons of it to the point where my hair was just greasy with the serum. And then I would spend hours going over just the tiniest little sections with that freaking three barrel iron. And I think that serum was the only way that I could get the waves to stay. Otherwise it would just kind of look frizzy and then it would go away. But I would always do this at night if I wanted to wear it to school, because otherwise I'd have to wake up so early to do it in the morning. So it was like this painstaking process. And I would do this for special occasions, like if it was my birthday, or obviously if there was a party or something going on on a Friday night, I would go through this whole process to wear my hair in this three barrel iron look. But you know what? You couldn't tell me nothing with my waved hair. I thought I was crushing it with that hairstyle. And it's so funny to see these things come back now. I have a three barrel waving iron in my bathroom right now that I actually use. But the difference is that these kids now, they have products and tools that actually work well and they have people to show, <laughs> to show them how to do it. They can just pull up YouTube and watch a tutorial. We had to like call our friend and ask them, hey, do you know how to apply eyeliner? And she's like, yeah, my older cousin who lives in, you know, Minneapolis told me that you just smear it in your waterline. And we were all like, yeah, that's how you do it. 
we were fighting for our lives back then, you know? We we're, we're trying to teach each other how to do space buns in our hair in the middle school locker room after gym. Like, we just learned from each other. I'm convinced this is how scrunched hair with straightened bangs spread around the entire country like wildfire. Like, some girl who was, you know, the cool older cousin did that. And then the younger cousins, even though it was hideous, saw it and were like, oh, my cooler older cousin does this. And then they did it and their friends saw it. And it just spread this way because no celebrities did that. Where do we get that from? We got it from each other. It has, it has to be. But despite all the bad things and just the bad... Uh, but despite all the bad and just the bad execution on some of our part, I really stand by the Y2K era, especially when it comes to hair trends. But hair and makeup trends, all you know, in general, they were... Hair and makeup trends, they were fun. They were playful. They were very youthful. It was a perfect time to be a tween or a teenager with those trends. So in honor of that era and our iconic beauty products, I'm going to end this by sharing with you my top five beauty products from the late 90s and early 2000s. Number five, the original Herbal Essences shampoo and conditioner, specifically in the pink bottles. I think they have re-released this throwback packaging. Everything's throwback packaging. And I just look at it and think, oh yeah, that's the packaging that I remember. But I was obsessed with this. I remember thinking that it smelled so good that I wished that they would make a whole line of body products, lotion, body spray, and things like that so that I could just smell like herbal essences all the time. Every single time I'm in Target or any store like that, I contemplate buying it just for the scent because it's still so good not to mention that those commercials you know the ones the the herbal essences commercials in the 90s they all had us hooked on herbal essences number four bonbons nail polishes these are so funny if you don't remember them there are those little tiny nail polish bottles they usually cost 99 cents and you could buy them at walmart or wherever and they would be in this big clear kind of plastic bowl and I remember them being on counters. The funny thing about them is that I don't ever remember using them. I'm sure I did because I had a lot of them, but I don't remember using them, but I had a ton of them and we all had them. Whenever we would go to Walmart, my mom would let me buy one when we would go get photos developed and they were 99 cents. Number three, the John Frieda Sheer Blonde collection from the early 2000s. I remember this from like 2001 to 2003 really specifically, but particularly they had this product that was a lemon thing that you could put in your hair and it was supposed to naturally lighten your hair with the sun. It was basically sun in spray that smelled like lemon that had just like really chic packaging. And even after my sun in experience as a kid, I ate that stuff up. I would always buy it in the summer and I would try to like give myself highlights. I don't think it did anything, but I still remember how it smelled. I loved that whole entire line. And remember the John Frieda twins that were in all of the magazine ads? If you don't Google it, they had the haircut, the flippy haircut. It will bring back memories. Number two, this is such an important one, bottled emotions. These were those tiny little perfume bottles that you could buy at places like Claire's. I don't know if they sold them at regular stores. I always bought them at 
players, I think. And they would be different emotions. The one that I liked was the purple one, and it was crazy. For some reason, we all really were partial to Bottled Emotions crazy scent. And it had like a little spaceship emblem on it. They all had like a little, kind of like an emoji on the front of the bottle, and they were all different colors. From what I remember, they kind of smelled not that great, but they were so cute. The bottles were cute. They were small. We were obsessed with them. I would give anything for that to be brought back. If I could choose one item from that era that has been discontinued, like a beauty product to come back, it would definitely be Bottled Emotions. Second would be the Bonnebel lip glosses, but Bottled Emotions would hands down be the winner. Number one, the top. And number one, my favorite, most iconic beauty product from that era, the Mary-Kate and Ashley cosmetic line at Walmart. You guys, who else remembers this? They had so many products, and I'm not kidding, they were legit. They had perfumes, they had eyeliners that were these big, chunky eyeliner pencils. I still remember like the texture of those. I think they had hair tools. I know they had shampoo and conditioner. My favorite were the nail polishes. I actually still own three of them, and here's why I stand by and rank them at number one. Those nail polishes that are now 22 years old have the perfect consistency. They have not gotten chunky. They haven't gotten runny. The color is perfect, just like it was in 2001 when I bought them. I have a blue chrome one that's like the perfect Y2K blue. I put it on my toenails last summer. You couldn't tell me that was an OPI from right now. I mean, it was perfect. Walmart, can somebody get me this, this line back, please? I really could talk about Y2K era beauty for multiple more episodes, so we might have to do follow-up. I could go on and on about Y2K beauty, especially, I could go on and on about Y2K beauty or 2000s beauty, so we might have to do some follow-up episodes to talk a little bit more maybe about the 2000s kind of later years and those beauty products and beauty trends. But as always, I could really go on and on about beauty trends and beauty products from that time, but maybe I'll have to do a follow-up episode to talk a little bit more about the mid and later 2000s beauty trends because this one kind of focused more on Y2K. So maybe we will uh, revisit this topic in the future. Until then, if you enjoyed this episode, please share this with a friend. I always really appreciate it when you share. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I will be back next week and I will talk to you guys all then. Bye.